Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at This episode of Heroes of the Horn is brought to you by Petru of House Zoldi. His probing hands fell into the water. This was the place. But with snow swirling about, he could barely see. He flailed, searching, numb hands splashing. One hit something at the edge of the ice, and he commanded his fingers to close, felt frozen hair crackling. Welcome to Heroes of the Horn, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am Sir Matt. And I am Sir Ezra. Welcome to our Wheel of Time book club. The horn has sounded, and we have answered the call. Today we are covering The Fires of Heaven, Part 4, Chapters 26 through 35. Yes, Ez, we're back. We are on a little... We both went on vacation. Yeah. Much needed Not vacation. Together, we went to. I went to the, your part of the world. You went to another part of the world. You know, mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. But yeah, it was a nice little break. But guess what? We're back, and we've got Wheel of Time news to discuss. Uh, we did a YouTube video talking a little bit. I think we're getting a trailer. Yeah, hopefully here in July, right at Comic Con. Um, that was pretty cool. We we got the Wheel of Time official. Twitter and Instagram account, their social media account came out and showed us the logo, like a new logo for the show. It's animated. It looks sick. It like expands and then kind of contracts into this nice little, you know, circle. Um, Just looked sick. And then the big thing there was the announcement that Rafe will be at a panel for Comic-Con, like a virtual type of panel. And we, in our YouTube video, discussed this. We think... Sir Matt thinks we're getting a freaking trailer. I think if we don't get a trailer, then something's up. Yeah, something something's wrong. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I think we're getting the trailer. I think that's the, the and we've been saying that. We're saying, hey, Comic Cons, if you're gonna release it. Um, and so we, uh, you know, if you're going to release it this year or early next year, and so it is cool. So at least we know we are getting it officially in 2021. That was another concern we've talked about was we were saying, we hope, you know, it doesn't go too deep into 2022. Cause it was that that's when it felt like it was going to happen just so it didn't run up against other big shows that are similar. Um, but ne- so now it seems like, Hey, if we're getting in 2021. A, lo- a lot of people are saying maybe black Friday, um, or Christmas seems to be the, uh, that's, that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of people are, are on the line are suggesting. Yeah. Which is cool. I I'm, I'm excited for that. And I hope he just gives some, I said this in the, in the YouTube video, but I hope Rafe just gives us more context and, and I'm guessing too, with a trailer, you know, at the end of that trailer, they would say it would have the date, right? It'd probably say, you know, like December 1st or December, whatever, give us a date. 
2021 and we'd have the yeah i'm sure yeah i think we'll get the official date yeah 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 if you look at if you look at other if you look at other shows that are coming out um yesterday the witcher right was just announced season two Mm -hmm. of the witcher is coming um and i think they gave an exact date um uh let me see here witcher season two uh, december 17th so they gave so they gave an official date so i would imagine that we would get something um from wheel of time and again this is another thing where we're like uh, we don't want it to run up against these other shows because it doesn't have as much like to stand on because people just aren't from as familiar with it yet now two to three years from now who knows i mean then it'll be obviously yeah. two three seasons in you'll say wheel of time everyone know everyone know what you're talking about but so um yeah so uh i think i think i'm a little more on the november side I th- i'm thinking like black friday man you know hey. especially because it's prime as opposed to like you know all these other streaming services right you know it's right. a gr- you know it's a cool you know it's a great gift an amazon fire stick there are yeah. a kindle tablet you can get those for cheap right right hey yeah. then you know what you can do right on your kindle tablet boom you got prime Right here, check out this new show, Wheel of Time on Prime on your yeah. brand new uh, Kindle Fire or Fire TV app. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I would love that. I think that'd be really cool. I, I hope they, um, yeah, I hope they do release it a little bit earlier. And like you said, with The Witcher, The Witcher was a successful season one. People know what The Witcher is, and they're excited right. for um, that, to, that to come back out. So. Yeah, to not compete with it, make it a little bit earlier, feature it in some way, get people excited for the holiday season. Amazon makes some sales, you know, by pitching in a new show. And as Sir Matt said, you can watch it on all those devices. That would be really cool. Uh, do you think you think that's going to happen? You think uh, you think you know? That's I when think we Black want Friday. It. I think yeah. November. Okay. That's my that's that's my sort of prediction. My sort of prediction. I don't know what other Amazon shows maybe are are supposed to come out this year um uh let's see here you know like to see uh you know do you do you launch it up against anything else specifically because you know that's always that's always your your sort of issue but uh no i think i'm thinking right then and there boom here you go here's this new show yeah i'm at it i think that's i think to me that's that's it black friday that's my that's my prediction if we like get it. a trailer, of course. If we don't, what is this panel going to be about? Oh no! They're, yeah, they're, we we both agree that there <laughs> literally has to be a trailer. Otherwise, there I I don't know what you would talk about the effects of the the cast and the crew, the directors, the music, what's going on, the scoring, all that kind of stuff. Um, the pandemic and how it affected filming and and production. That I'm sure he's going to talk about that anyways, but. God, you've got to say if you're gonna if you keep saying 2021, I mean, at some point you got to promote this thing and start well, pushing. 2020. We're we're half we're over halfway through 2021. So yeah, yes. <laughs> so, anyways, hopefully that's that's what's coming out. Um, if you guys have thoughts and you know feelings about the the panel, uh, let us know. S- send us that. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny that Rafe said, you know, he's not necessarily he's gonna be speaking or talking at this panel, and he's like, don't they know that you know speaking or talking is not one of his uh strong suits right. or favorite things to do but that's that's kind of funny so yeah we're excited for it i'm really excited it's just in a couple weeks and um we'll be getting a lot of news out of comic-con for lots of other fandoms and stuff like that but uh, specifically now the wheel of time is in there and it is it's legit people it is legit it's been legit and it just feels more and more real and i just cannot wait to wait to see it um so all right Let's that's go. kind of our yeah 
it's kind of hard to start catch up on the on the news there. Um, I don't think there's really anything else. They've not they're all the other social media. Uh, well, it's, as far as just that was it. I mean, we've not really know the little teaser, know nothing else. Just basically wait for a couple of weeks, sit tight, and we'll see what happens at Comic Con. So, uh, all right, let me turn real quick. We normally do our pigeons at the end of the show, but I wanted to kind of bring this up as we before we jump into chapters twenty six through thirty five. Uh, and this is part four of Fires of the Heaven. I want to bring this up. This is from, um, I hope I'm saying it right, Petru uh, Zoldi. I hope I'm saying last name right too. Uh, who sent us in basically a pigeon saying that, the, um, what's this? Hello, guys. I really love your podcast. It makes it more fun and immersive reading the books. Uh, there are two things that I think or that I feel haven't been talked about. One is the fact that Moraine is now obeying Rand. I felt it was an important moment and wanted just to bring that to your attention. The other is what Egwene is doing to Nynaeve uh, in the dream world. I felt that was also a big moment between the two of them. Uh, thanks for your work. And really just kind of wanted us to kind of kind of comment on those. And that's awesome. We've always said a lot, all the way along, if there's a moment in these batch of chapters that we don't harp on as much or we don't spend enough time on and you want us to talk more about it and commentate, please send us a message at thehornofvalier at gmail.com. And we will do that because, Sir Matt, uh, these are big moments and remember Moraine went uh through the like Tirangrial she was in Rudion she saw things whatever that was interesting that she the wise ones allowed her to go there and she comes out of that and her behavior towards Rand uh the Karkarn is very different um he who comes with the dawn she's she's now obeying Rand and that's odd for Egwene and others to kind of see that what does that mean? How do we feel about that? Is there reasons why? Um, yeah, I think that I think that's really kind of uh, an, an important thing in this book. And then the other being Egwene and Nynaeve. Basically, Egwene is now scolding um, Nynaeve. Like the, there's almost like role reversal is really what this this comment is Roles about. Role reversal. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, I think it's you, you go from Nynaeve being the um, kind of you know, elder or a mentor to Egwene. And now Egwene is kind of pointing out some of her flaws and shortcomings. And it's just kind of trippy too, because then even Egwene is like uh, talking to Moraine and the wise ones, and she's being taught along the way. So it's just a lot of back and forth, not really power struggle, but kind of just the dynamics between mentor slash mentory. Things are changing. Yeah, things are you know? changing. Things are changing as last time there was a shadow rising. This time there's fire. Okay. Right. So fires of heaven. <laughs> yeah. <Okay? laughs> it's pretty clear people. Okay. The shadow was rising, but now it's the pretty, fires it's, are in the heavens. Okay. <laughs> the fires of the heavens. Okay. Yeah. So no, so you're right. hundred percent. The roles have, the roles have been, have been shifting. I mean, Rand is gaining more and more and more power as well, right? He's leading an army at the right now, right? And so a few books ago, Rand was just a farmer, although he mm -hmm. still says he's a farmer. So something yeah. every every now and then, you know? So right, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the whole thing is, I mean, we're watching the whole arc is about him becoming the dragon reborn. And so we see him changing and we see some of those Emmons fielders growing into these different roles. I mean, look what we saw with Perrin in the last book um, and him really kind of 
growing up doing his own thing. Matt is coming into his own. Egwene is doing that. Nynaeve has to kind of take a step back uh, for a second and learn and, and figure out what her place is in all of this. And then Moraine is doing something that's odd, that's different. Uh, we'll get into this batch of chapters here today, which is like, because when we go to Salidar, um, they're talking about what to do with Rand and, and how are they going to approach him? How's the White Tower going to approach him? And how is that different from like Moraine trying to uh, guide him? Uh, Suan was always talking about like at least Moraine is there guiding him. Well, now it's almost like she's doing this in a different way. It, it's almost like to gain his trust and to get close to him and to keep near him, she is having to give in and to just allow him to do his thing and she's obeying and she's made these agreements with him. So, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of concede the <laughs> the weaving of the pattern and how it changes. Mm -hmm. so. uh, okay, as well, we did sort of our pitch in there first and there's not really much news left, so I guess we're just diving right in, really. Yeah. To this yeah. next block of chapters, which is 26 through 35 so chapter 26 sally dara uh 27 the practice of diffidence uh 28 trapped 29 memories of saldea 30 a wager 31 the far snows 32 a short spear uh 33 a question of crimson 34 a silver arrow and 35 ripped away so uh, some big things happen just sort of just in, in general over this big block of chapters, right? Yeah. Uh, Rand and Avienda's relationship have drastically changed uh, to say, well, I wouldn't say drastically. I think, you know, it's a big moment. Would it? I don't know. It says a short spear. So was it a big moment or was it a little moment? Wow. Okay. I mean, I mean, holy. I was about to. I was about to say that we, you know, their relationship claimed came to its climax. But I thought people might just be like Matt's just over there. Matt's he's just making shit. God dang it! He's totally like Robert Jordan has gotten to him. Matt. Matt now is embracing the actual Matt Coffin of the story, and yeah, right. Jesus. Uh, no, but you're right. I mean, this these are there's some big moments between Rand and Avienda and, you know, how Rand is, is dealing with the IEO people, uh, learning new powers. You've got uh, Tom and the great game and you've got some stuff that's going on with him. Um, Salidar is like a whole nother thing. Now we're kind of moving into figuring out what happened with the fracturing of the White Tower and what are they doing? What are the blue? What's the blue and green Aja's? doing there in, in, in Salidar, uh, and how are they going to organize themselves? So, yeah. And then you still have this whole thing happening in the dream world conversations to kind of keep the two parties attached to one another and just complete silence, uh, out of the two rivers and Emmons field, nothing yet. So, um, right. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's go back to chapter 26, uh, Sally Dara. Um, for days, Min, Suan, Leanne, and Loghain have been traveling south and west of Lugard. Loghain's mood had been steadily uh, deteriorating. It seems the depression experienced by being by gentle men has finally caught up with him. Min still sees the aura of glory around him, though. With Loghain not in the mood to do much of anything, Swan has regained the lead over the company. Swan didn't think it was necessary to tell Min where exactly they are going. 
Uh, Leon ha uh, Leanne has give not given up on flirting, and her tactics have succeeded in getting them shelter and lower bills and ends a number of times. It doesn't seem to help Logan though. Suddenly, the woodlands have been they have been traveling through gives way to a village of surprising size. Men sees warders and Aes Sedai with images flickering around them constantly. They don't seem to be particularly welcome in this village. Swan leads them to a building that must have once been an inn. The inn shows signs of neglect and is decorated with the old with old and mismatched furniture. Four Aes Sedai meet them there. Uh, Shiriam, Carlinia, uh, Morel, and Anaya. Shiriam recognizes Min and asks what she, uh, she was thinking bringing Loghain here. She also wants to know how Min found them. Min tells them to ask Suan and Leanne. The four Aes Sedai seem to think such changes in appearance can be caused by stilling, but still don't trust the two women claiming to be Suan and Leanne. Uh, they are put through a, um, a thorough questioning before the four Aes Sedai are satisfied uh, that they are who they indeed they claim to be. Swan now tells them she contacted one of her eyes and ears who also worked for the Blues and found out about Sally Dera. Leon adds that they, even though they can't channel anymore, they can still be used to the tower. Min and Loghain are sent away while the others continue their conversation. Min is offered something to eat and several people come to talk to them, but Min still doesn't get the feeling she is welcome there. Yeah, so this is this is a cool chapter. Um, just that we finally get to, you know, there's a lot of these chapters. It's like traveling. We're trying to get to the next place, and um, so Solidaire is finally a place we we get to, and we realize, okay, these are, um, this is the Blue Aja. The majority of the Blues are are here, and Suan did use a, a former contact in the eyes and ears. And that's important because she's showing these Aes Sedai that she still is relevant and she can, you know, she, she's still a player uh, in, in all of this. And that was what she's holding on to. You know, once you've been stilled um, or, or gentled in Logan's case, you're, you're looking at like, how, what's your motivation? What's going to keep driving you to keep going versus just giving up um, on life and, and wanting to just, you know, die or, or, or whatever, it, you know, it's, uh, it's not it's hard to keep, to keep going. So they each have got to find their purpose and, and move forward with that and be relevant. So Suan is doing that. Um, Leanne is doing it in a different way, just by kind of flirting and reconnecting with her past and all that kind of stuff, which is, which is pretty cool. Let me um, read this to you guys real quick. So um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so men did not understand, um, did not understand uh, Solidar at all. Uh, who was she? <laughs> you know, who is this, right? Uh, but Shiriam and the others nodded at one another. Suan had done something other than tell them how, Min realized. She had let them know that she still had access to the eyes and the ears who had served her as Omerlin. So as a part of that questioning, you know, like, is she legitimately who she says she is? They must look really different, Sir Matt. Like, they must... Like their facial features, that whole agelessness thing, it's gone. So they really don't look the same at all, which is why they can go unrecognized by Gareth Brynn and by these Aes Sedai. And you put them to the question, and yeah, she's turning out to be uh, the former Omerlin, which is, you know, which is cool. They thought she died. You know, they thought she was going to be killed. So, 
Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is interesting too. Also, like this this particular group traveling, um, because with the really the it's like the three of them, not you know, not including men, they all started from like in a way the top, right? Where we met them in our story, especially Logan. Uh, well, although by the time we meet Logan, he's already been gentle and everything, but. It's like, and so then you have men who's sort of like rising, right, in power and and undis- and discovering things, and you have Logan who's kind of doing the same, but he, you know, was so he so it's like everybody's still figuring everything out, mm-hmm. as you as as you as you said. So it's it is it is kind of cool to get to see them uh, traveling and just how they have to go about things right with mm-hmm. without the power of being an Aes Sedai to just walk in and, and say whatever you want yeah it's almost like yeah. we're on the lamb right it's like this group's on the lamb you uh-huh. know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good point that's a good point um one other cool kind of thing in here, and I thought this was interesting. You know, sometimes these finer details are um, things that we missed, and we're we're taking uh, you know our, our big takeaways from these chapters. But Min has a viewing when she comes into Salidar. She sees the her viewings just light up, you know, around the waters and the ice to die and things like that. Um, they're encountering someone uh, known as uh, Phalane, uh, who's kind of mean spirited and is not is a little cruel. Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn more about. Um, her later on but she's looking at some of these other novices and she notices a snug collar around a woman's neck and then it suddenly seemed to shatter she shivered she did not like viewings concerning or connected to the shanchen so right there is a clue of some kind and the reason she decides not to tell that novice about um the viewing is because she didn't she didn't believe it could be changed well that seems like a pretty big freaking deal you know what I mean? Like the shot, you have a Shan Chen viewing in, in relationship to these, this group of Aes Sedai. Like, what does that say? Uh, are people getting leashed and collared around here? Like, that's not, that is not a good thing. But Min kind of keeps that to herself because no. she sees it as inevitable. So, yeah. Uh, okay, as let's move on to the next chapter. Because, uh, as you said, that chapter was more sort of getting there. And then we get there, man, and... Things kind of break loose, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's like it's like okay, we just arrive in this town. The next thing you know, here we go, chapter twenty-seven, the practice of diffidence. Uh, Suan tries an offensive tactic first. She tells the six Sedai that seem to run Salidar that they are rudderless. All the activity in the villages show, and they have no purpose. They are waiting for Eliida to send someone to fetch them. This does not go down well with the Aes Sedai. It is pointed out to them that while they may have been Amarlin and uh, Keeper, they are Aes Sedai no longer. The accusations brought against them were fabricated and the trial and the trial a mockery of justice, but that doesn't mean they can't start again where they left off. Uh, Leanne and Suan try to explain that they can still be useful to the tower. That's why we were doing the same thing last chapter too. They can reroute the reports sent by the eyes and ears of the networks to Salidar. That, uh, that would be a great advantage. They also have Loghain, who will testify that uh, the Red Aja set him up as a false dragon. Doing so, Leon and Suan reveal a lot more, uh, a lot about those networks that wasn't known to the Aes Sedai. With this new information returning to the tower uh, has been, become impossible. Suan is outraged that they would even consider that, but the tower must be strong at this time. That opportunity has passed, though. 
Reluctantly, they argue to use Suan and Leanne's contacts. According to the strategy that Suan and Leanne worked out earlier, Leanne now puts another idea in the heads of the six Aes Sedai, forming a Hall of Sisters and raising their own Amarlan. This would mean the tower would be broken for the world to see and that they would have no other choice than to strive for Eliida's removal. That idea seems to take hold. Suwan also discusses the whereabouts of Rand. Uh, she thinks he is in the I.O. Waste and that a sister should be sent to him before one of Eliida's can reach him. After some discussion, it is agreed uh, Karuna and Bera should be sent to look for him. Suwan and Leanne are about to be dismissed when Shiriam's warder arrives. Uh, Arnvar. All right, he's the warder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he reports some 20 armed men approaching the village. Shiryam tells him they can't be allowed to give their presence away. Arnvar replies that both killing and capturing them would be difficult. They are veterans and they have even spotted the warders. Shiryam tells him to do what he must to keep their location a secret. But before he can do so, however, Newell, one of uh, Myrell's warders, comes in and reports that the group has halted and only one man is now approaching. He thinks it is Karth Bryn. He also suggests they may have need for a general soon. Apparently, the warders are better informed of the situation than the Aes Sedai would like. Swan can't hide her shock at Bryn following them all the way to Salidar. Shiryam notices she knows why Bryn is here. She orders Bryn uh, brought to the inn to talk to see to talk to the six and see if he can be brought into their service. In the meantime, Swan has no choice but to explain what he is doing in Saladar in the first place. Yeah, he's, he's freaking looking for her and, you know, try, trying to get her to keep her promise and all that kind of stuff. You know, the thing is, too, I think for Suan, she had to keep going. And this is her drive to, to matter. Uh, at one point, she's like, light, please use me. Please use my knowledge uh, of the eyes and ears. And even Leanne is saying, like, yeah, we kind of knew what was going on. Like she had a, a, her finger on the pulse of Tarvalin, whereas the other eyes and ears network, they had... Um, the pulse on different cities, large cities, and they had eyes and ears in Ebudar and different places. And she was like, now they see the benefit of having eyes and ears back in Tarvalin that can tell them what Elida is up to and what they're planning to do there. And, you know, Suan goes on the offensive to kind of, uh, to try that tactic. Doesn't work. She gets squashed. But I think she does light a fire under those Aes Sedai to kind of say, yeah, you're sitting here rudderless. To quote her, so what she said, rudderless. You have no direction. And she plants the seed or the idea that you, you need to create your own um like group like sitters, your own hall, and you need to raise up your own Omerlin. Because right now, to the world, that is the true Omerlin in the White Tower. They're not gonna until she's deposed, what sway and influence do you have? You are the rebel Aes Sedai. You are not those in power occupying the White Tower. So that goes pretty far. And now you have a general walking in, Gareth Bryn, who they just all said, we could use this guy. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You can they're, see yeah, the they're trying to, she's trying to. They're trying to split the tower. Mm -hmm. A hall of sisters. Sounds like a hall of justice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, and and yeah, and you'll, you'll need to kind of, the White Tower to, to be ready. They always talk about like, 
uh, for Tarman Gaiden, like the end of time, the last battle, what needs to happen? Moraine mentions it as well. Like you have to have the White Tower whole and it is divided. And Min is seeing Shan Chen leashes around Aes Sedai and it's not good. So is that part of the reason? Is it like, could they have faced the Shan Chen more readily if they weren't divided? Is that, is that a fracturing? Is that an issue or like, do they need to be united? Do they need to squash these other Ajas? That's all stuff we're kind of considering at this current point in uh, these chapters. Yeah. I think it should also be noted that Swan, uh, as she's, as, as she's out there, right. She's saying that, Hey, there's things that the eyes and ears are picking up that the eyes said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Cause that does make her relevant. Cause you say, okay, if you don't have the power, how do I keep you, you know, why, 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 keep this character around as, as an author you're like she has to have a purpose just there has to be something she can do and that's when you get into the power is not everything like the omerlin knew like information and knowing secrets and who is doing what where it adds another layer that's that's important the i said i are not all powerful just because they have the one power um you, there's that's why i love robert jordan's world because you have like you could use a Tyrion Grial against an Aes Sedai. You can use information against them. Um, you can politically, you can outmaneuver them. Also, it's mentioned in here a couple times the importance of the oath and the oath rod and not being able to lie and, and tell, like, you know, the Aes Sedai can almost like, they can wordsmith uh, and try to get skirt close to the truth without giving you the whole truth, but they really can't truly lie. And um, it seems like that uh, Suan is able to like you know th she talks about that being a secret that they have about stilling the i said i don't like to focus on stilling or give it much attention or research or like it's not something that they want to study because it's so terrible and none of them wants to be close to it or near it it actually makes them all feel kind of weird and odd or i don't know i don't know what the best word is for that but they don't feel comfortable um looking at these two former Aes Sedai who now can't use the power. It's a fear that they all have. They would be terrible. They None of them want to be around it. So we're going to learn a bit more about stilling and being gentle. And actually, Loghain, right? So Min is still seeing all of this stuff around Loghain. But yet, his physical appearance, his head is down on the table. He is unmotivated. He's got novices leading him around again. All the energy and fire that he had for the revenge against the, the, the Red Aja is starting to dwindle and go away. So what is up with that? Why are we still seeing symbols around Loghain, but yet he looks like he's quickly fading? So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, chapter 28, Trapped. Um, when Garth Bryn enters the village, Newell is waiting for him to take him to the Aes Sedai that will speak to him. He spots uh, Serenla, and when he is led before the six Aes Sedai waiting for him, he sees the other two as well. Maybe they are Aes Sedai agents. The six Aes Sedai are introduced, and Shiryam explains to him that they will see that the three honor their oath, but they can't go with him right at this instant. Bryn says that he'll be happy to wait for the Aes Sedai to finish with them. Shiryam then tells him who they really are. The trap snaps shut. Since Bryn is going to stay with them a while, they would be pleased if he could do them a favor. The chances of his men getting away are non-existent with so many warders around. Bryn decides to stay to state his conditions. 
It is obvious to him that the tower has split and that this group of Aes Sedai is vulnerable, so close to Amadisia. If they need him, they plan on raising an army and removing Eliida from power. He will recruit and lead their army under three conditions. First, he recruits, decides on promotions, and leads the army. Second, they will uh, heed him when he says something can't be done. Third, they will see it through, through to the end. If they decide to accept Eliida for all, it will cost him his head. Um, when the While the Aes Sedai debate his terms, Suan wants to know what possessed him to follow them. It can't be for a barn. He replies it was for an oath, but to himself. He admits if her blue eyes, it was it's her blue eyes that drew him here. Swan is not pleased, and she gives him the rough side of her tongue. They argue a bit about an incident in the, at the court in Camelin, uh, the first and only time they met before Core Springs. The Aes Sedai return and tell him they accept his conditions and pledge themselves to follow them without reservations. Garth Brynn kneels and vows to serve them. Um, and then it shifts to Min's point of view, but I think mm -hmm. we can just talk about this first. So, yeah. Yeah. We're going to raise an army. We're going to, mm -hmm. we're going to take on Eliida. Right. Yeah. They, yes. Um, and he's the guy to do it. He is a, a form. He's one of the, he's, he's, he is a great leader, a great military mind. Um, one of the, the greatest actually, and remember back in Camelin, uh, it's sort of Gabriel, Lord Gabriel's interference that sends Gareth Bryn away. Like when Queen Morghese has sort of woken up from uh, this influence and she's trying to escape. She's like, why? why? You know, why is he away from me? Why are all of her allies suddenly away from her? And so he, he's one of those. And that's, that's why Suan came across him back at his old estate. Um, so... Yeah, he, he's now important to them. He needs to stick around. Oath-breaking is a big deal. Suan swore that oath that she knew would be such an like such a binding oath that he would give her that freedom that she needed to maybe move about freely and escape. Uh, and now he's just here to kind of, you know, is it for the oath or is it for those eyes, Matt? I don't know, but he's definitely interested. Hey. You know, I mean, can blue eyes do interested, that? Interested, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, one more quick thing too. So, they talk about the um, the I think it's Murindy, the the border dispute between Camelin and, and or Andor and, and, and Murindy, and like when she the, as the Amarlin seat showed up one time and and openly kind of put Gareth Bryn in his place, and she thinks like, oh, you're enjoying this now because you know. I'm the Omerlin seat, and this is all just to get back at me for that little incident in front of the court where I had to kind of, you know, uh, put him in his place, if you will, or or they had an argument, right? And he wanted to, she wanted to withdraw the Andor troops away from that border because she's worried about this young leader. Like, she's trying to move all these pieces to get the right leaders in the right places to get everyone ready for what could be a last battle or just to bring peace or prosperity. And it ends up that really, I think that that young leader ends up getting killed. Um, yeah, uh, he died uh, a month after I left Camelin. She muttered some Andoran farmer put an arrow through him on a sheep raid. Um, he could not help laughing. It was the farmers. You should have made Neil, not me. Well, 
You no longer need concern yourself with such things. That was certainly true. Whatever use the Aes Sedai had for her, they would never let her near power or decisions again now. He felt pity for her. But uh, he's really not after her. He's not trying to do any of this to like put her down or whatever. He really is like, I mean, he mentions the blue eyes and he's attracted to her in some way. And it's not even just the oath. Like it's all about her, even though like Leanne is maybe a little bit more beautiful and seductive and trying to use, I mean, she tried to, you know, basically uh, get them out of their sentence earlier with Gareth Brain when she tried to present herself to him. And he's like, nah, it's, it's Suan for me. You know, he's like looking at her like that's more catching my eye. Um, and he, you know, he, here, here he is. But I thought it was interesting that even though the Omerlin seat is trying to move things and order people about, they don't always get it right. The Aes Sedai, it's just another way to show you that the Aes Sedai are not all powerful and all knowing. And some random arrow from some Andorran farmer can, can literally put an end to the Omerlin seats plans. That was kind of interesting to me. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next point of view is Min. So same chapter, uh, but it shifts. So uh, after seeing uh, Garth Brynn, Min suspects she will be held to her oath very soon. Min tells Loghain to stay where he is while she goes to find out what is going on. She is sent right back to him by Suwan, though. Loghain feels Suwan sold him to the Aes Sedai. Apparently, he is still well aware of what goes on around him. Then Suan appears again, carrying a large pile of laundry. She's in a bad mood, indeed, and hands the laundry to Min, since she is now Brian uh, Garth Brynn's serving girl. Min tells Suan she had a viewing when Garth Brynn came in. If she wants to live, she'll have to stay very close to him. Suan isn't sure dying would be worse. She tells Min to get on with the laundry. Yeah, yeah, she's got to clean his boots, and uh, she's right. passing it off to Min. Poor Min, come on now, that's not right. I love all these little I will say I do a lot we always except for like those it was like was it the dragon reborn or shadow rising where we I think it was the, the dragon reborn where we started with like a huge min chapter but outside of that men's points of views are always like so small and they're but it's always like hey I just had this vision that's gonna you know be super important later and and, and come true and it's it's just interesting that that's the way he just that Robert Jordan decides to use her as it's like Mm-hmm. You, you know, any anytime, anytime you get to a min point of view, it's like you really got to pay attention because something's like it's yeah. it's super important. Yeah, and actually, so men's viewings, I've been trying more so to make an effort to point them out. And so here's one, right? The quote um, from men's viewing is that when Bryn came in, I had a viewing, and you mentioned this. Um, it's this aura, right? A bull ripping roses from around its neck, and none of that really mattered except the aura. I didn't even really understand that, but more than anything else, if you want to stay alive, you had better stay close to him. Um, all I know is this. If he stays close to you, you live. If he gets too far away for too long, you're going to die, both of you. I don't know why I should have seen anything about you in his aura, but you seemed like part of it. So they seem connected in some way. Their fates are, are interwoven now. And that's something like to help us understand why would Suan want to keep close to this guy? And I mean, what's what's the point? Uh, is it men's viewing? Does she grow is there a respect that's going to grow between them is it just because of duty and the oath or is it something else and all all kind of cool things to consider Mm -hmm. uh okay as 29 memories of saldea 
Um, so now we're shifting uh, gears here, and we're going to be with uh, Kadir, right? Yeah. Um, so Kadir is in his wagon thinking about the note he found slipped under his door. You are not alone among strangers. A way has been chosen. Mm -hmm. There were mm -hmm. dark friends among the Aiel. They were among every people, but he doesn't particularly want to meet them. Chosen? Could that indicate some other chosen, right? You know, that that could be interested in him. Uh, this could be very dangerous, Kadir thinks, back to his childhood in Saldea and his sister who taught him his first letters uh, and numbers. Um I Asendre uh, comes in dressed in a heavy robe. Amused, Kadir suggests she take it off, but she refuses. He asks her if she has anything to report on Rand or Natale. Uh, she tells him Natale won't tell her anything, and she can't get near Rand. When Kadir presses her to try harder, she shows him what the maidens did to her. They shaved her head and flogged her with nettles. The maidens have broken her. Next time, they promised her she would be given to Avienda. She has been betting Rand since Rudion, she tells Kadir. The mere mentioning of her is enough to make her flinch. Kadir sees she will be of no further use to him. He tells her to keep an eye on Natale, and, uh, at least, uh, at least, and when she is about to leave, he strangles her. Like always, when he strangles a woman, he thinks of his sister. He kills her after she found out what he was. Still thinking of his sister, he starts to dispose of the body. Yeah, Kadir. Not to be trusted oh, or no. trifled with. No, no, dude. Uh, yeah. the, the crazy thing is you get like a perspective of uh, a dark friend, uh, right? I mean, it's said like he's been visited by Lanfear. Like he knows, right. uh, according to him, uh, Natal... Uh, Jason Natal, the Gleeman, is what he knew of him was that he was a great dark friend, that he was great among the dark friends. He doesn't know anything else about him because he was in a disguise and he's pretending to be a Gleeman and things, but he knew not to mess with that guy. And then um, he's got, you know, it's it's hinted at that one of his other companions was found, you know, possibly is, is, is missing and is, is probably found, you know, would be found dead. Uh, and there's some irony behind that and land fear connection, but the big takeaway is that, yeah, he is, um, he's dark friend and he's, he's freaking right in there with like Rand and, you know, he's, he's right in the midst of all this. And so are there other dark friends around? Like what's, what's going on, man. But, um, and just the fact that he's this close, I mean, imagine how it's almost like he does share a little bit about how scary it is to be in and around the chosen you know to be around the forsaken and what it's like to be spoken to by them and to follow their orders and he's sweating he's got scars on his chest from his encounter with land fear and yeah he's he's really um got a lot on his mind here and also the aiel he, he makes a point that really because he's a peddler he's allowed to kind of move through the io waste but otherwise he'd been he'd been killed anyway like i mean they yeah. used to give passage um, to the Kyrianen because of the water, you know, bond they had sharing water and and, and resources back in the day. Uh, King Layman cuts the tree down. No more Kyrianen can cross. Now only peddlers and the tinkers, if they, even though they try to avoid the tinkers, but because he's a peddler, he, he can move across the IO waste, gets with them, is moving back, but he's actually secretly a dark friend. So, and he's right. I mean, these people will 
if they who even... else is secretly a dark friend that's the yeah that's, no, the, that's, question. that's the question it seems does okay. it seem like being a dark friend is worth it no i i I mean every t- I mean every every time we ever get every time we we get the perspective of someone who is which right here is like a sort of a new perspective of somebody who is it always just seems like man things are just bad. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. even seem like you get anything out of it unless you're like you know Lanfear or something. I mean that's you know you're one of the Forsaken, but like the just the dark friends. It seems like God, you're just like the only thing it seems like once you get in that like you're you're just like trying to stay alive let alone like have power or anything like that yeah i mean there's like a promise you know to it and i think gosh before you have the chosen running around like you think back before the story starts like dark friends it might have been cool and you might have thought you had some influence and power or something but now you got the you know you got the chosen out here buddy i mean you got the big dogs running around and once you realize that you're like okay this is not a game anymore this is not like right. this is not fun. So I I don't know, but also I would say that the that the Forsaken are very much um, persuasive, and if you have made an oath prior to them escaping their prison, they are going to keep you to that oath to the Dark One, and you're going to serve them. And so a lot of the servitude even comes it's you're being forced. I mean, you saw the Dark Friend Social where you're summoned to that. You right. better freaking show up. I mean, that's. You, that's that's just all there is to it now what i love about inktar and i bring him up even a couple books later is i love when Rand says i think all you have to do is to choose not to be a dark it's, it's just to choose the light to choose not to serve the dark anymore that's it inktar you just have to choose it and one more time he raises his sword and for how you know for how shinoa for the light he fights once for again <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, but. Okay. All right. So good. Okay. Uh, Chapter 30 here, a wager. Rand is looking at the river flowing through the town of Ironrod to get away from Moraine's relentless lessons. Last night when he was dismissed, uh, last night, excuse me, he dismissed her. She actually begged to be allowed to stay. Um, Saloon, Saloon. How do you I always how do you spell that name? Sulin? Sulin? Yeah, Sulin. Yeah, yep. Sulin. Uh Sulin and his uh usual guard of maidens is with him. He asks why he hasn't seen uh Analia and Adolin around for a while when Sulin replies he will see them back when they have stopped playing with dolls. A group of riders approaches, escorted by Aiel. A the riders are a group of Tyrians uh and from Ky- um, from Kyrian. Rand is interested to hear what they can tell him. Uh, the Tyrians are led by Astan, uh, Astan and uh, Adoran. Young nobles, Rand remembers from Tyr. The Kyrianen are led by Maserin and Dakarian. They want to know if Rand sent the Aiel against uh, Kyrian. Rand explains that the Shido are his enemies and that he intends to save the city. Ruark tells Rand the city still has still held a few days ago these men have been sent to get help they say that the city can hold out for another seven or eight days the conditions in kyrian are bad the city has been flooded with refugees the shido drove into them the foregate burnt to the ground and the food is almost gone ran sends uh marison um back to kyrian to tell the defenders he is on his way 
uh, Dorian will go with them to and places a bet on them making it to Kyrian in seven days. Rand doesn't have the amount he wants to put on it, but uh, Sulin says he has it and will meet the bet. After that, they ride for Kyrian. Ruark now wants to ask uh, Astin, Astan about the conditions in Kyrian. Rand stresses he should limit himself to asking. They are allies now, after all. Ruark also suggests sending out scouts to see how the situation is. Then Rand retires for the night. Let me tell you. Yeah. Because I listen to the audiobook and then I come back and I read the thing. Some of these names, when you're like, Doll. when you're hearing it, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you have to go to read it. And you're like, wait, what was that name again? And it's, yeah. <laughs> well, I was actually about to say, as you, were, as you were reading that, I'm like, these are a couple guys that. I was like, I'm. Smaller nobles. Yeah. I, they show up like one time. Well, and it's like Adeline and, and Sulin. I always f- forget like, oh, yeah. Like, and when you read it, you're like, oh, yeah, it's Sulin. And I've heard it. Just like you, I only listen to the audiobook, And I, I'm really good at just retaining a lot of it in my mind. And, and I'm used to listening right. to it. But we, when it comes to actually reading, it's just like the first time you read um, even the mate, like like Nynaeve. <laughs> I've had someone try to read Nynaeve's right. name to me. It's like, it's it's hilarious. Um, because yeah. I've heard it like Nynaeve, you know, like nine. Oh, Brigida, Brigitte. Well, especially, <laughs> well, especially, especially because you're reading it, and it's like I'm reading it, and it's like, okay, last night Rand did this with this and this, and then, and then like it's just all these normal words, and then you get to like Adorion, and it's like, who is that, you know? And so, yeah, yeah, right. So like, and even like Kooladin's name, right? So you look at Kooladin. Right. And ooh, like oh you <laughs> normally like I could say Cowledin. Cow I've heard people say owl, like the owl. Right. He goes O U. It's yeah. weird. But anyways, my point with this is I don't really um really this is just you get an idea of the state of the city that the Shido are there. And then I I know that these these nobles and they'll probably, they're gonna come up more often and as we get closer to Kyrian, we'll learn more about the dynamics of the of the um of Tyr and these lords and like the Tyrans and how they work with the Kyrianans and, and the whole the whole business there. So I don't even recall these guys as well as I should. And so I was I was gonna say don't don't worry too much about them. Although the dynamics are important. Um they're just not real important right now. It's it's more just that we gotta get to the city, help them, and then also explain to the Aiel, you know, the conditions of taking Kyrian, what does that mean? And that these are our allies and they're not, you know, they're not our enemy. Even though these are the Kyrianen who, as I just said, broke the oath and stuff like these, either the tree killers and stuff. And Moraine is actually one of them. So, but she's a nice to die. So that trumps the fact that she's from that city and she's one of their people. So yeah, that's, that's all we really have from this small chapter is just sort of the setup, um, to the, the far snows, <laughs> the yeah. next chapter. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Things. Yeah. Things. Things about. Things about to change here. Okay. So the forest knows, which is chapter thirty-one. Rand passes through the town of Einrod on his way to a to the building where where there's a real bed, the first one he's seen since entering the waste. Um, the town didn't fall to the Shido, but was abandoned before that. Several battles took place between the uh, various Kyrianan factions fighting for the Sun Throne. Most of the buildings have been damaged. Rand manages to keep the maidens out of the building uh, he picked out, but of course, that doesn't include Avienda. When he enters his room, he finds her naked in front of the washstand. 
Embarrassed, Avi into panics. She wants to get as far away from him as possible. She channels, opens a gateway, and runs naked. Uh, <laughs> runs naked as the day she was born <laughs> into what seems to be a fierce blizzard. Uh, Rand realizes she will die from exposure if he doesn't do something. Without thinking, he channels to keep the gateway open, grabs all the clothes and blankets he can, and follows her. Avienda keeps running from him, and Rand follows. Channeling a path through the snow, he slowly gains on her. Then suddenly she disappears. When Rand catches up, he sees she fell through snow-covered ice into cold water. He puts down the blankets and pulls her out. She's suffering from hypothermia, uh, and Rand uses the power to make a snow shelter for them. He heats the air inside and puts Avienda in the blankets that he brought. Realizing it isn't enough to warm her up, he takes off his wet clothes and crawls in beside her. Uh, he talks to her about his plans for Kyrian to keep his mind away from the incident, though that keeps popping up. When Avienda re regains consciousness, she tells Rand that she will stop running. Uh, the rings uh, do not lie. After that, they make love. Hours later, Avienda is getting dressed and hours later at the snow. She is. <laughs> oh, is, this, is that a quote? <laughs> That's what it says. That's what I'm just, all, right, I'm just all, right, all right. All right. You just read it. All right. Well, the next chapter, I uh, we, we can stop. Okay. Uh, hours later, uh, Avienda is getting dressed and marvels at the snow. She has never seen it before. Rand tells her they can get married as soon as they get back. What follows is a debate on different customs in the two rivers and the Isle Waste, but Avienda will stick to hers. She will ask the man she wants to marry, and marrying Rand is out of the question. Uh, what happened will not happen again. Avienda has toe towards Elaine. It is time they focused on getting back to Kyrian. Well, I'll tell you right now, Avienda has... She showed more than a toe to, to Rand. Let me tell you right now. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, okay. I, I was thinking about this because this is one of those chapters where, like, you know, you kind of knew in the beginning of this that there was some, you know, you'd heard from your brother, different people about the, the women around Rand and even just some of the fun aspects of, like, the relationship between these, these you know. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously, it keeps showing up in, in men's. Obviously, it keeps showing up in men's. Yeah. There, I mean, you could cut the tension you know, with a knife. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. it's been there the whole time. Actually, yeah, yeah, it's yes, you could. Um, you might need a hair on Mark Blade to do it, but yeah, it, you, yeah, for sure. So I thought, I mean, I, I was gonna joke with you a little bit about like, uh, you know, Matt Matt knows living out in Portland, Oregon, like they, they do this all the time, run naked through, you know, on beaches. And hey it's man, just a, it's it's Portland, a common. It's, it's a it's a weird city. I'd be arrested around Ohio for, for doing that. I wouldn't, I'm not allowed to do that. Okay. So you talk <laughs> about different customs, the two rivers Maybe. versus the, the waste. It's different, different. So, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see though. So yes, hours, hours later. Yeah. <laughs> hours later. That's crazy. So let me read some of this real quick. Okay. Cause this is just, um, let me see. So, Okay. This this part is just kind of you know this this is what happened you know just reading what Robert jo Robert Jordan put in front of us right. so he froze as soon as he opened the door to his bedchamber Avienda had not chosen to remain with the tents she stood before the washstand with his mitts with its mismatched cracked bowl and pitcher a cloth in one hand and a bar of yellow soap in the other do we have to describe the color of the soap I guess so yes uh, she had no clothes on she seemed stunned as he and incapable of moving I. She stopped to swallow, big green eyes locked on his face. I could not make a sweat tent here in this 
town, so I thought I would try your way of she she was hard muscle and soft curves. She glistened damply from head to uh from head to feet. He had never imagined that her legs were so long. Um I thought you would remain longer at the bridge. I her voice rises in pitch. I did not arrange for you to see me. I must get away. Boom, she's gone. And how did she do what she did here, right? She ran into a gateway is what it's called. She ran into the shimmering gateway and she she's away. Yeah, she channels, right? Yeah, uses the power and she she gets away, but she goes to the far snows. It's snowing. You know what I mean? Like where like we're gonna talk a little bit about where she went and what this power is and, and how she how she did this. But um at the start of the podcast I read the quote where he's like his hand is dragging through the icy water and he actually finally gets a hold of her like like her hair with frozen hair and he's like pulling i mean he saves her life like pulls her out of this right. icy kind of you know um pond or lake, lake or whatever, or whatever yeah. yeah yeah so just crazy man it's just a, it's a crazy moment and then so what she says it's interesting is i i will not run anymore what the the um that the rings do not lie that rudion when she went to rudion it must have told her something that she was running from, that she was trying to get away from. And, you know, I mean, she did try to run. She made a gateway and tried to get away, but he followed her. And so they make love. So it is what it is. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, chapter 32, a short sphere. Um, Rand uses the head <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> oh, uh, here we go rand uses the every now all, literally all right here we go oh my god i can't even read the opening thing here rand uses the one power to create an exit from the shelter when he pokes his head out he sees two people on a strange flying beast passing over them apparently their arrival didn't go unnoticed avienda and rand make their way to the gateway trying not to be seen when they get there, they find their way is blocked by a group of about 20 people. Two of them wear collars around their necks, connected to bracelets worn by two other women. Rand knows uh, now where he is. The women are Damane. They are somewhere on the Shanchan continent. He asks Avienda if she can shield the Damani. He will bind the others. Dividing flows so many ways he will... Uh, ways will be a challenge but he thinks he can do it their channeling works and rand and avienda make their way to the gateway rand can see uh, uh, another weave he didn't put there osmodian or one of the other forsaken he's asking rand wants to release the demone but he can't touch the collars himself he asks avienda to look at them one of the shan shan lady morsa recognizes rand she was at falme rand warned her not to give him trouble or he will repeat that here one of the other Shan Chan, a seeker of truth named uh, Jane London, uh, has some questions about, la about uh, the Fall May Lady Morsa, would rather not answer. It looks uh, like the seeker for truth is not going to let her get away, though. Avienda has no luck releasing the Demane, and Rand sees the gateway getting smaller. They will have to leave now. Releasing the flows, holding the Shan Chan, Rand and Avienda jump through the gateway. Before it snaps shut, a spear follows through uh, and is cut clean in half by the gateway. 
Osmodian is waiting for them in Rand's room. Rand immediately shields him. After Avienda leaves, he comments on the strange scepter Rand is holding. Rand looks at the spear and decides to keep it to remind him that there are more enemies than the ones he can see. He demands to know how Osmodian hid the gateway and why he hasn't mentioned it before. Osmodian protests that Rand always has so many questions that he can hardly bring anything else up. Rand tells him to, uh, to talk of two things. Rand hasn't asked about every lesson. Rand asks how he can slice through a woman's weave as he has seen Lanfear do before. The Forsaken has until dawn to teach him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I think the coolest part, now one, we're... Obviously, we traveled very far away. We have Damani, uh, the Shanchen there. So they're somehow on, like, they, they, they determine they're on that continent or they're in the Shanchen Empire and they've got a flying weird beast and Damani and all this stuff. Uh, a seeker for truth. The sphere, or the, the sphere, the, uh, the spear, right, that comes through the spear. gateway. Yeah, yeah, cut in half. Uh, the big deal here is that Osmodian seems to be hiding some is he hiding or has he just not had a chance to teach rand this stuff but he knows about gateways he knew how to hide this one uh it's it's because he sees the weaves and he sees the power being used uh Saidine, that he's able to find the gateway again so he's like straight up i will you know he's like i will run you through with the spear if you don't tell me everything you know and then he remembers back to Lanfear slicing through his sort of weaving and he's like, so a woman can cut through a man's weaving. Like you can somehow see it or counter it. How do you do that? And he basically says, it's difficult, Lord Dragon. Like you need a woman to practice against. And that's where he's like, no, you're going to tell me. We're, you, like you're going to, in theory or something, even if we don't have a woman to practice against, you are telling me now because I need to know. So that's my big takeaway from that is Osmodian needs to step up as a teacher. So. Yeah. It is, you know, it is, uh, this is why you, this is also why you need a map, right? I tell everyone in, in this series, man, you should get a map out because it's like, hold on a second. We just went from the IO waste, which if you're looking at the map, right, mm -hmm. is completely as, as, as about as far east as you can get. Mm -hmm. Okay. We just showed up in the Shan Chan continent, which is about as west as you can get on, yeah. the, on, on, on the map. Yeah. Because because Avienda, all, her only thought was as far away as I can. So the as far as away as you can get is the opposite side of the world. You know what I mean? Right. To get that when her mind was that when she thought that and then she did she created a gateway. It takes her to the furthest point from where she's at, which is the other side of the world. Which I think is kind of cool. Um, that that's that's what happens. So yeah, new powers leveling up. Uh, pfft. New relationship gains. I mean, lots going on. A lot, a lot going on here in these uh, these batch of chapters. I think we got two more. I think right. We yep. Got, okay. Yep. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Chapter thirty three. A question of crimson. So now we're back with uh, Nynaeve and Tom and and sort of that group. Yeah. So Tom is practicing throwing knives at Nynaeve. Not that she actually intends to do this before an audience. But Luca uh, in insisted they practice. If Tom so much as nicks her, she will have his hide. Luca's insistence on wearing um, an indecent red dress does nothing to improve her mood either. Luca wants to know what happened uh, to her eye, but Nynaeve is not to about discuss that incident with him. Uh, with, with him. 
Uh, after she manages to get rid of Luca, uh, Julian reports that he saw um, Galad in Samara, just what they needed. As if their own situation isn't bad enough, Elaine reports on the fighting in Kyrian last night. She is also worried about Rand. It appears he grows harder uh, with each passing day. At, la uh, at least she gave up on flirting with Tom. Uh, not that their new father-daughter behavior is much better. Jeez, what is going on <laughs> with this group? It's like God. crazy. Um, on her way back to the wagons, Nynaeve meets Aludra. The Illuminators uh, in insist she takes another box of fire sticks. Nynaeve isn't sure they won't spontaneously combust, but she takes them anyway. When she reaches the wagon, Elaine wants to know what happened to her eye. She tells Elaine a version of how she got into a fight with um, Carindon after try uh, trying to pry information about the Damani out of her. To change the subject, Nynaeve wants to know why Elaine has been looking at the Adam in their possession. Elaine uh, tells her she thinks she can make one. Why anyone would want to is beyond Nynaeve, though. And Adam is a filthy thing in her opinion. Elaine points out that Elaine points out that if she uh, can, if she can, she will be the first to make a Terion Grial in a thousands in a thousands of years. Nynaeve changes the subject again and tells her Julian saw Galad in Samara. They are caught between the white cloaks uh, and the mobs of the Prophet with a Forsaken hunting them. Nynaeve needs to remember that the rebel Aes Sedai are gathering and they need to, to get away from the menagerie. Yeah, yeah so um, here's something interesting, right? So as, as uh, you know, we kind of laugh at the Tom... Uh, Elaine situation and Elaine totally tries to turn this back on Nynaeve by saying uh, okay so to, she says y yesterday Nynaeve had congratulated the girl on coming to her senses and Elaine had coolly replied are you trying to find out if I will stand in your way with Tom Nynaeve like as if Nynaeve wanted to get with Tom you know he's rather old for you and I did think you had planted your affections elsewhere but you are old enough to make your own decisions. I'm fond of Tom as I think of him as I think he is of me. I look on him like a second father. If you want to flirt with him, you have my permission. But I really did think you were more constant. It's such like a, it's a weird kind of, um, I don't know, petty, petty thing. It's just like, uh, yeah, I know I got kind of caught with my hand in, the, in Tom's cookie jar. But I, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I, but now I'm going to accuse you of trying to get in the same cookie jar. And it's like, what? Come on. This is crazy. There is some craziness among, among these two and this, this whole Tom fascination. Um, and then you've got Luca who's running this menagerie, this, this circus, and he just wants it to be this big, uh, flamboyant type of, of thing, spectacle. And they're trying to hide in and among it. And they're realizing, okay, shoot, there's this guy called the prophet in Samar, uh, the white cloaks are moving in there too. And you've got Galad there. Uh, we're trying to avoid all of that drama and stuff. We're trying to get away from one of the forsaken and just get back to the, um, rebel Aes Sedai. So they've got like a lot going on around them that they're trying to go stealthily through all of this, um, do their time with Luca and then make a run for the rebels. But yeah, that's, that's kind yeah. of the, the, the big uh, what's going on with them, I guess. So, yeah, the Tom fascination is 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 weird, and it's a cool little interesting 
di- dynamic, but you know, it's like sometimes it's like Robert Jordan, what are we doing, man? You know, it's like he he weaves I, in some of this stuff. <laughs> it's just like it feels just ridiculous sometimes. Yeah, I, it is kind of crazy. It's just like he just sort of lets it all run wild. It's a fantasy. It's a high fantasy. Just you know. What's crazy is you and I read Game of Thrones and the stuff that goes on there is far more right. wild and outlandish, but it gets so normalized oh, it's so quick. Way more ridiculous. Yeah, and that we, we read this and we're like, what? Really? And then you've got characters pointing out the obvious. He's a bit too old for you, but you can do what you want. It's like, Elaine, you're younger than Nynaeve. And <laughs> every, you know, Nynaeve was congratulating on you and making the right and this guy and this guy and tom 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 hooked up with your mom i mean and you're like i mean what kind of jerry what 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 kind of what kind of jerry springer you know thing is is she got going on i mean do you think he do you think robert jordan watched jerry springer and you think (laughs) maybe maybe Uh, man i just think at one point somebody asked him about the relationships and about like even rand and some of the girls and some of the stuff with tom and it's in an interview somewhere, and he was just sort of like, I just think it's funny. I just think it's fun. I think it's interesting, and it makes you kind of like, yeah. makes you kind of puts you in a weird spot where you're like, uh, not so sure about that. But it's just, that was him. He's the author of our series, and, you know, he puts it in there for a bit of comedy, a bit of sort of like awkwardness. And it is, it is sort of the, it does come across as like the comedic relief. A lot of the comedic relief in this series is sort of like to do with the relationships. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, there's this like because it's like it is. There is this level of seriousness too, but then sometimes I will say it 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 can come across as kind of weird, right? Because in some in some situations, I feel like I I I like it, and others it's just kind of awkward. Because like I think back, but like remember when when Rand, uh, I think it's at the beginning of the Dragon Reborn, um, when he's in tier and he's got. Oh uh, God! What's the crystal sword? How am I? I'm just uh, uh, oh 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 what? Uh, Calendor. You asked me too fast. Yeah, Calendor. Yeah. I had I have coolant in in my mind. And yeah, I'm like, it's not cool. It's Calendor. Right. Calendor. There you go. Yeah. right. Well, he's got he's got Calendor and the whole deal. Right. And remember when it, it's like Rand has just been proclaimed like the Dragon Reborn. There's like banners flying and all this stuff. It's like very serious. And then. Elaine sends Egwene in to sort of like test him and all this stuff. And it's like, suddenly we go back to like Rand's like in the two river, you know what I mean? And it's just weird. It's just sometimes it's, 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 it's comedy, but it's just so, it, it seems like such a, such a dramatic shift in character, like so quickly right. that you're kind of like, what? It's just kind of feel, it feels sometimes a little awkward, yeah. but it is always like a fresh reminder, like, and everything is not always as serious. Well, it, that they're younger too. So, like, you go from uh, these characters who grow up super fast, and they you accelerate, you advance their character development super quick. You know, Rand's the Dragon Reborn, but yet he's still that boyish glint or whatever is still there, and him sneaking kisses in with Elaine and Tear is is happening, and then uh, this whole bit with Avienda, the awkwardness of like walking in on you know. On a, someone who's naked like like how do you deal with that how does the dragon reborn (laughs) you know how do you react when the the dragon reborn walks in on you naked what do you do uh well i guess you create a gateway and you run away you know like that's the kind of robert jordan wants to put these epic hero fantasy like figures into kind of funny awkward situations and say how do they respond and it's normally somewhat childish and like elaine is an epic hero in the story she's kind of you know yeah. 
Right. And not, and not, and not to get too far away from the books, but just in terms of this, in terms of their personalities. Right. And you have these sort of moments. Do you think the TV show is going to go a little more on the side of them not growing up as fast? Or do you think they're gonna, or do you think they have to sort of, that dynamic seems like that was something that would be changed in the show. Yeah, but it would be really funny. It would be really interesting if they did capture some of that, like, Rand's an epic hero, but still is awkward around girls, you know, type of feel for the comedy aspect. Right. Of, but that's hard to do. That I think, I don't know how you do that in a TV show. It would be, you could do it. It's just like, yeah. I don't know, because I guess, like, when I watch Elaine, yeah, but- when I read Elaine and Nynaeve and I see them trying to, like, you know, I don't know how to put this. It's like visually, it's almost like they stand up straight and they're like, no, I am. Uh, I'm in charge, you know, and I'm going to do this thing until they do something embarrassing. And then the other one calls them out for it. And then they kind of like hunch back down like, oh, yeah, OK, well, that was embarrassing. And then I don't know, like it's a weird back and forth between that type of behavior. It's hard to explain, I guess. Yeah. OK. But it's cool. All right. Well, uh, let's move on here. So uh, 34 here, which is a silver arrow. Um, it is Elaine's turn to cook that night, uh, so Julian and Tom join them for dinner. They don't seem to appreciate Nynaeve's cooking. Luca, join, I will say uh, really quick, the, the the text around some of that is pretty funny because she sort of noticed, like, hey, I don't eat as much, you know, when Nynaeve cooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, they tend not to eat eat as much, and so it's just that's, that's kind of funny. Um, anyway, so Luca joins them, uh, too, like most nights. He tries to flirt with Nynaeve, but she puts him off. After dinner, they leave the dishes to the men and retire to another expedition into Teleron, Riyadh. Before they go to sleep, Elaine tells Nynaeve she shouldn't encourage Luca. Nynaeve protests she is only holding uh, her temper, but Elaine seems to think that is like trying to keep the sun from rising every morning. It is Elaine's turn to visit the World of Dreams, but Nynaeve insists that she go. She has questions for Brigetta. Um, reluctantly, Elaine agrees, but she wants Nynaeve to ask Brigetta again to share the secret with Egwene. When Nynaeve meets Brigitta in the World of Dreams, the hero of the horn, let's go, mm-hmm. tells her that she has found Mogidian. She can take Nynaeve for a brief look, but she has to promise not to do anything. Five Forsaken are gathered, and that is too much for Nynaeve to take on. Nynaeve agrees, and the next moment she is spying on Grendel, Robin, Lanfear, Mogidian, and Samael. Samael seems worried that he will be at his throat. Um, there's quotation marks around the he. Mm-hmm. There is a mention of a teacher too. Most of it seems sort of quabbling. Uh, Brigetta then takes them away again. Brigetta and Nynaeve are still discussing what they saw when Mogidian shows up. She throws Brigitte at the reflection of Nynaeve's wagon and knocks her out. Nynaeve finds she is shielded by the Forsaken. She tries to make Mogidian so angry she will kill her quickly, but Mogidian seems to have other plans. Uh, behind her, the Brigitte stirs. Nynaeve keeps Mogidian talking while Brigitte takes aim. She hits the Forsaken with one of her silver arrows, but misses the heart. A wounded Mogidian flees, and Nynaeve wakes up crying and thinks she has killed Brigitte Silverbow. Yeah. Or Birgit Silverbow. Yeah. Or Birgitta, or how, you know, however yeah. you want to, or your preferred <laughs> pronunciation of it is. Yeah. So 
it's uh this is yeah this this sucks right i mean for nynaeve at first she's like oh man like this is a big mess up a big misstep where she's been caught they've been warned so much about the dream world and and what can happen here and so it's just kind of terrible that this is this is uh yeah she has to kind of deal with um with her decision making and this whole bit with Mogidian, you know, she had originally defeated Mogidian, so she's thinking, "I can take her," you know, "I, I can, I can do this." But this is this is where Mogidian is strong. She understands this world, and she she knows what she's doing here. And so, uh, Brigitte Silverbow is able to to kind of, you know, rescue her from Mogidian's weaves and, and, and she, she binds her, you know, and before that too, uh, you get some sort of understanding that Lanfear has shared that Rand has a teacher that where he's traveling. Samuel is worried about, um, who's going to be coming after him. Is he, is he, has he put himself out too far against Rand and is he being used by the other forsaken? Are they using him to bait Rand into an attack and weaken him so they can strike? I mean, that's the kind of, kind of scheming you're seeing from Grendel, uh, Ravine, Lanfear, and Samael, which is which is kind of cool. You get it in like little fra- frag- fractured kind of bits and pieces, but you can kind of piece together that that's what they're talking about. So, Right. And what, ha- and what happens if you die in Teleron, Riyadh? I think you're dead. To ask, a, are you dead? I think is so. Is it different? I- because can't you die in the... But can't you die in the dream world and not die in the regular world? Because didn't Perrin kill or no, he injured him. Injured him, yeah, yeah. Injured he him. Injured Slayer in the dream world. Right, right. Um, yeah, and so in this, I mean, that's the big worry is that the wise ones are kind of like what happens here affects the living body. Like you are attached you know, to it. So I think it's that you die. I, I, there's other ways to enter the dream world too. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. I think so. Yeah. It's a whole big deal. And then she's, and then Brigitte Silverbow is also like a hero of the horn. Yeah. So, so that's different. That's why what happens different. if you die. It, it's, it's like, it's, it's also its own thing too. It's its own thing. Cause she's bound. Yeah. Um, she's bound to the pattern. She's, she's to the horn. Can be some, some, so yeah. if you, you could be summoned at any time like you're you're safe so even if like you if you die as a hero of the horn when you get called into a battle are you still basically like yeah you know are you still bound to the horn or you'll come dead? back again baby no longer a hero of the horn i think so i mean i'm pretty sure i think <laughs> i don't know that they actually really is it never explicitly the, stated yeah i don't know if they cover the actual details of of that but i'm guessing yeah. Also, they the heroes too. It's kind of in, it's hinted at that they've lived multiple lives and that they're spun back out. It's like she talks about um, uh, Guidel Kane, you know, being born, um, and then how she'll find him and these two lovers keep finding. Because in this ch- chapter, Nynaeve I think shows up and she's wearing. She's thinking about Lan and she's wearing some revealing clothing. And uh, Brigitte is sort of like, eh, I do the same thing, you know, for, for my guy. Yeah. You know, like, oh, why, <laughs> yeah. why change? You look good. Um, so, yeah, and she talks about their lives and them being kind of interwoven. So there's that, too, that they also are kind of. And that's what Tom in the first book talks about, the dead living again and coming back and being reborn. So there's that, too. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you so throw all that, in, that... You, you throw that all into the dream world, and it's like, wow, cheesy cow. This is there's 
so many rules and different things and stuff. So I ought, ought to go do a little bit more research on that and, and think about it. But I think, uh, yeah, if you die, if you die in the dream world, I'm pretty sure you're not waking you're up. So you're not waking way. up in the other. Yeah. So it's not like you can exist in both. It's not like you can die in the regular world and then still exist in the dream world. Yeah. I think your spirit, your essence or whatever is in the dream world. And then that body is there waiting for it to return. Um, it's still linked. They're still linked, but it's not, once you die there, it can't return. The link is gone. You can't really come back. Watch me be completely wrong about this whole thing, but I thought that's the way I understood it. Right. But, yeah. It's not like Star Wars where you can live on through the Force. Yeah, Force Ghost. I, I, know, I Although, you know, what's funny is, well, the the wolves are different, right? So Hopper, you know, Hopper's killed. Right. Hopper's killed, and right. then he's he, the wolves, they live on in the dream world, you know? And that kind so of cool. Some, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'll just have to keep 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 plugging along, I suppose. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh this chapter also includes a bit from Leandrin's point of view. So uh remember, uh, so a wounded and bleeding Mogidian comes running out of her bedroom. She demands uh Chesmal, who has some abilities in the uh in the field that heals her. Uh, Chesmal does as he usual as the usual healing uh, and leaves the Forsaken weakened. Leandrin sees her chance and tries to strike at the Forsaken, but before she can do any damage, Mogidian has her shielded and pinned to the wall. She will live, but her punishment is going to be horrible. Neither Chesmal nor uh, Tamal uh, show any compassion. Mogidian tells them she found out about that Nynaeve and Elaine are with a menagerie. She is heading for uh, Samara, where a number of them are gathering to look for them and gives the Black Sisters orders to follow as soon as they have seen to Leandrin. After the Forsaken leaves, Leandrin starts screaming before her sisters even begin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah stupid. Uh, you know, Leandrin tries. I mean, she thought she was weak. She thought she could, t you know, this is a chance to get up over uh, to rise in power and to take on one of the Forsaken when she's wounded and did not work. So she is shielded and tortured. She is now going to live, but uh, her punishment is pretty severe. And the other sisters kind of are like, come on, you know, we've tried different things. People have been unsuccessful. Uh, this woman clearly has a lot of power and we are nothing compared to her. So, but now we do yeah. know that Mogidian is on the trail and knows the menagerie is where they're at and is sending the Black Aja on ahead to um, to track them down. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, uh, do we have? We don't have any other ravens or pigeons, I should say. As we do have one chapter left, are we going to save that for extended, or do we want to? Yeah, we could, yeah. do something else for extended. Uh, actually we can save this one because it's been, you know, it's been, it's been a good bit and we can talk a little bit more about, maybe I'll do a little bit of research on, on the dream world and we can talk more about that and just some of the dynamics of it and how it fits into, you know, this whole conversation with Mo Gideon, the pattern, and even go back and touch on some of what the Forsaken were saying there, you know, as, as, uh, Nynaeve was looking in on their conversation. Cause that's the interesting part about this story is you have, you get caught up there's some hinting and foreshadowing in and among that that forsaken conversation but we lose sight of it in a, in a first read especially because you're like oh shoot like mokidian's like got naive forget what we just heard from the forsaken doesn't even matter all these names whatever 
naive can you get out of here and we're we're thrust right back into a conflict and it makes us kind of slip right past that that other bit so yeah we'll, we'll go back and uh go over some of that and talk about because uh, actually coming up in this chapter is is Geidel. like she's going to talk about Geidel um being reborn and what happened and the you know all the kind of stuff that goes on between her and Mogideon and this uh struggle that they had in um Teleron Riyadh so yeah so it's good okay okay Ugh. wow a lot it is it it is it, it it's good it's it's good to be back to you know is is sort of the is 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 sort of it's sort of the thing as as we as we went on a little vacation there but you know it's also like i feel like now we're so much closer to the show right yeah. yes and so it feels like the wheel is the wheel was kind of just inching along right okay. yeah it's starting to rust so up a like, little bit okay i feel like <laughs> It's starting to it, it, right the dusty wheel, right the rusty wheel, maybe <laughs> the rusty we wheel. It, okay, <laughs> the rusty wheel. Should we start a YouTube a a, a uh, our own the rusty wheel and which, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of like um yeah the the wheel of the the rusty wheel of time. It's starting to slow down a bit, you know, and kind of do it. We should do like a follow up show to the dusty wheels show and call it the rusty wheel. Uh, mm -hmm. See what Matt, Matt in which we thinks. only and yeah, in which in which we only comment on his on his on his show, not even like the books. Or anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Really could have done a better segment there. You know? <laughs> um. All right. All, all right, guys. Well, hey, stay tuned. Uh, for extended uh edition then. Um, and I don't I don't think we've talked about this on this podcast. I know we have on Ben the Knee, our Game of Thrones podcast. Um, looks like there will their Apple sort of changed some of their their podcasting structure. And so now um, a lot of that Patreon content that we do, I think you will have access to that on Apple iTunes. Um, it'll be a, a small fee as well. But um, just like on just like over on Patreon, you can get those exclusive episodes over there. But now you can do it just through iTunes, which is really cool. We're sort of piecing that together uh, right now. But you can do that. It's right there on iTunes. It's right there in your feed. Uh, and that's really cool. And actually subscribing to our premium sort of podcast uh, network actually is the way it works on Apple iTunes. So it'll actually give you access our premium episodes on our other podcast as well, which is Bend the Knee, our Game of Thrones podcast, and Hyperspace Hangout, our Star Wars podcast. So keep an eye out for that. It's still uh, coming together. We're still piecing that all together. But keep an eye out for that as well. If you're somebody who wants to support the channel, but you'd rather do it just on iTunes, right? Right on your iPhone, yeah. as opposed to it's a lot easier than having to go to Patreon and and whatever. So just keep an eye out for that as well. Yeah, I think that's that's exciting, and we're looking forward to continuing the extended editions and uh, adding in other aspects. You know, once the show starts too, we're going to be doing some uh, after-show stuff. We'll have some exclusive things there. We'll have some main stuff on the main feed um, for just our review of the episodes. And I'm really excited for the show to come out and and just like you said, there's like a new spark knowing that in a couple weeks we're going to Comic Con. We're going to learn something, possibly see a trailer. Hopefully all of you have been listening up to this point too, whether you're new to Wheel of Time or you're a veteran reader, like if you love the series and you're still in book five and you're still reading it, then I think you want more people to experience it and you want more of those conversations with friends or colleagues or um, yeah, at, at the workplace, whatever it might be. It's just fun to kind of watch the community grow a little bit more, build it, build it up a bit and have new people and new perspectives come in and find 
things. Like I love listening to Matt talk about some of this stuff because it's sort of like, okay, uh, you said this with your brother, like some of the, like he had told you that some of the things that you point out or whatever different than what maybe he thought, or even that a veteran reader has forgotten what that felt like first coming through the series. And so that's why I enjoy this. And I think it's, it's unique and different and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, all right, guys. Well, um, also just one quick plug here for our YouTube channel. Uh, it's at Heroes of the Horn on on YouTube. Um, we do oftentimes do a lot of just sort of uh, just specific content for YouTube, like when a trailer drops or something like that happens, um, and we and those pretty much go up right away. So you can definitely check out that. So if you subscribe to us on YouTube, you'll get all that you. It's, you know you get those notifications and stuff like that anytime we post um and we do post there quite a bit as well so anytime there's like a new trailer or something that's almost where it's always going to be talked about first so you can definitely check that out as well so all right guys well with that we want to thank you for answering the call in our next episode we will be discussing the fires of heaven part five chapters 36 through 43 yeah, and as always, uh, friends, remember you can send us a pigeon at thehornofvalier at gmail.com, and I really appreciate those. And so as we get closer to the show, and even after you see that trailer, if you have got thoughts, uh, literally just thehornofvalier at gmail.com, send us that pigeon, and we'd love to talk about it here on the show. So don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave that comment, or send that message to thehornofvalier at gmail.com. We will see you soon, and remember that the grave is no bar to our call. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.